to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. If you're a new listener, welcome. Our usual reminders as we begin. I'm not an expert, just someone like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned over the years from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern finding. And while the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding, regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I'll share a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, but what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. Last week, we dove into an introduction on love languages. At our flock meeting, we talked about the love languages we prefer, as well as the preferences of our partners and other important people in our lives. And listeners, if you have anything to share about love languages, I'd love to hear from you too. You can connect with me at mymsflock at gmail.com. For this week's episode, we are joined by acupuncturist extraordinaire Therese Powers. And flock members, this coming Saturday, Therese will be joining the flock meeting for part of our time together, so you'll have the opportunity to ask her questions in real time. So as you listen today, craft your questions to bring to the group. Since we're going to be hearing from an acupuncturist today, my gratitude for this episode is for another acupuncturist, Anne-Marie Trioni who actually referred me to Therese Powers. Anne-Marie is the first person with whom I had an extremely positive and transformative experience with acupuncture. She currently works at Lokahi Acupuncture in San Jose, California. In case you live in that area and are looking for an incredible practitioner to assist you. Anne-Marie is a special kind of person and an important part of my flock support network. She values authentic and vulnerable relationships with her patients. I only got to work with her as a patient for about a year until I moved away from the Bay Area, but she was an integral part of my early healing and continues to be from afar. Anne-Marie understands how healing works and how many things in our lives are connected to our health beyond what we may initially think. Anne-Marie made me feel very connected to her on a human level so that I felt safe and comfortable opening up with her about my physical and mental health symptoms and concerns. I'm forever grateful for her tutelage in helping me understand the intricacies of that connectedness, how it all matters on our journey to better health. So thank you, Anne-Marie, for all you have taught me about acupuncture for connecting me with another rock star practitioner in the Central Coast after I moved, and honestly, for becoming one of my dearest friends over the years. I'm excited for what we're building together with Dr. Peyrovi and how we will help change the trajectory of many folks living with MS. 
I'm excited for what the future holds and so very grateful for your friendship. Listeners, you'll get to meet Anne-Marie too at some point in the future. So stay tuned. Okay, so today I am joined by my current acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, Therese Powers. As you listen to our conversation, I hope you'll learn something new about acupuncture and be inspired to consider it as a potential MS therapy for healing. Without further ado, let's take a listen in on our conversation. Okay, so let's start off having you tell us a little bit about you and your personal journey that's led you to the work you're doing now. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Um, uh, As far as how I got into this work, I I grew up in a household where my father was ill most of my life with liver disease, and I had a front row seat to what happens when the body is taken over by disease, and it had a big impact on me. I also myself as a child had a lot of illnesses, um, allergies and things like that, that I think gave me a little glimpse into what my future could hold um, if I didn't take care of my body. And when I got into college, I was studying nutrition, which I thought was great, but I realized that I didn't necessarily want to make meal plans for people. That wasn't I wasn't excited and passionate about that. And so at that point, I was 22 and very scared, not sure what I was supposed to do because I didn't have it all figured out. And I went to a course that was offered to the general public um, at our local community college. And it was this woman, Patricia Price, and she was speaking about Chinese medicine and the effects of uh, food in the body from a Chinese perspective. And that was... um, that was love at first sight. That was how I felt when I left that class. I felt like, oh my gosh, this is it. Um, It was this spark. And that was almost 20 years ago. And I feel like I'm more in love with the medicine now than I've ever been. So it's, it's exciting stuff. That's so beautiful. And I'm curious, did you start out kind of as a patient or immediately you were just drawn to this as a practice? So that was the funny part. Um, I had never had acupuncture. I had never experienced Chinese medicine when I applied for acupuncture school, uh, Chinese medicine school rather. And so at that interview um, to be included in the program, I had to explain that I had never had acupuncture. And he said, well, okay, go get a treatment. And if you still want to be here, you know, we'll talk. And uh, And so I went and had a treatment um, and there was nothing really wrong with me. I just needed to go have a tune-up as it was introduced to me. And and it was a great experience and I felt relaxed, but it wasn't this amazing acupuncture story. Um, That didn't come till later. That came probably two years into my acupuncture studies that I had my first aha moment. Is that something you want to share with us today? Oh, I'd love to. Yes. So I am... I had a acute case of trigeminal neuralgia and it's extremely painful. And I went to the doctor, they gave me, uh, they gave me some painkillers and antibiotics and, and nothing helped. I, I didn't sleep for probably two nights. And then it dawned on me, maybe I should go to the acupuncture clinic. I'm an acupuncture school after all. 
Um, it just wasn't my first thought because again, I didn't grow up that way. You know, I was looking for something else to help me and it wasn't working. So anyways, I go to the acupuncture clinic. I'm trying to fight back tears and uh, my teacher comes in. He placed a few needles in my face, in my hands, in my feet, and I fell asleep for about an hour. Um, when he came back and took them out, I, I didn't have any pain. Um, and it totally freaked me out because I, I, was, I was finally like, I believe. I already knew it worked because I had seen it clinically, but I had never experienced it firsthand. Um, so that was, that was my first aha. And there's been a lot more since then, but that was a good one. Such a powerful story. And it's, it's really helpful for someone like me to hear that you were skeptical too. Uh, even totally. though you understood how powerful it could be, we always kind of doubt it's going to work for us until it does. And I've found that time and time again with essential oils, cranial sacral therapy, acupuncture, and and every time I am just so pleasantly surprised. And I wonder when is that day going to come that I don't, I'm not skeptical. Um, right. I'm not there yet. Um, but that's actually really beautiful to hear that you had that kind of experience too. That's neat. So what is the easiest way to introduce people to acupuncture as a therapy? You know, what is it? What tools or materials do you use? Tell us a little bit about it in general. Yeah. So, so with acupuncture, we've got it. It's more Chinese medicine, right? That's, but acupuncture is one of the branches of Chinese medicine that is more commonly known in the States. Um, but most acupuncturists are adept at using tools such as gua sha, cupping, moxibustion, manual therapies, um, like tui na, which is basically a form of me uh, medicinal massage, um, and of course, herbal medicine. And so there, there's many components. But I always like to start with a manual therapy. So that takes us back to cupping or gua sha. That's usually my, uh, my gateway drug, <laughs> if you will, that I jokingly will show people because it's, it's quick, it's comfortable, and it's not scary. Um, needles, I think for some people, there's, there's a misconception about the kind of needles we use, um, what it's gonna feel like. So, I often like to slowly integrate the medicine for people. Um, it's all happening in the same appointment, but again, I usually just start with those manual therapies. So what can you tell us about the needles? How are they different than what someone might think? Okay, so acupuncture needles are hair thin um, in most cases. Some practitioners do use a thicker needle. We all have our own style, so let's be very clear. All of us are gonna have a different delivery and how we, um, how we use this medicine, but um, the needles typically are very thin and they're inserted into the tissue. You barely feel them go in, um, but then once they're in, that's when you start to feel things, right? You feel, you feel some sensations, um, but it's not like a needle, a hypodermic needle that you would see in a doctor's office where you're getting an injection. You could probably fit close to 20 of my needles inside of one of those hypodermic needles. So that gives you a little perspective on um, size. That's helpful. And now you mentioned cupping and gua sha, and those are two things I'm very familiar with now, but I'm wondering if you could share a little more about what those are and why, why someone would want those therapies. Yes. 
So um, in my clinic, I treat a lot of pain, all different types of pain. And cupping and gua sha are two of my favorite tools to help relax the tissue in the body. Um, it assists me in my work with the needles. So essentially, it's a lot like a deep tissue massage. And I find that I'll, I'll lead with, do you like a deep tissue massage? And if people say yes, then I, then I know they're going to love gua sha. Um, and gua sha is where we use typically some sort of a smooth um, spoon or stone, as some sort of a smooth tool where we actually apply lubricant to the tissue. And then we use this stone-like tool to actually scrape these gentle strokes on the tissue. I also feel like it's similar to brushing tangles out of hair, only it's tangles in the muscle tissue. And you can feel that. Um, and, and while it feels instantly better because, right, we're, we're breaking up all of that fascia that's so tight, and um, we're breaking that up. And what's happening is new blood is coming into the tissue and the blood has essentially everything we need to heal, right? Um, so it goes and it, it saturates that tissue and, and a stiff neck all of a sudden can look both ways. And it's like, what? How did you do that? Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice one. Um, now, if someone were to say to me, Teresa, I, I don't like deep tissue massage, then I think, okay, let's try cuffing. Um, cuffing can be done in a very gentle way that just will help, again, bring blood to the tissue, get things nice and soft. And that can be a, a very gentle way to start with somebody who maybe doesn't like as much pressure. Now, you're, you're talking that about uh, ways that you can help people relieve pain. Would you say that most of your clients that come to you are coming to you for pain? Or are there other things that people come to you for as well? People come to me for so many things, a wide variety of things. Um, but over the years, I've really tried to narrow my practice down to pain. Um, I just feel that it, it covers so many different uh, ages, people, needs. That it's really something I'm focusing much more on these days. However, um, I also treat a lot of gastrointestinal complaints, um, anxiety, depression. Those are all very common reasons. Um, another one is uh, hormone balancing. I can't tell you how many women I have seen their cycles regulate with acupuncture herbs, lifestyle modifications. And I love that because that is, there's concrete information there, right? Uh, when, we're, when we're dealing with um, somebody who's trying to regulate their cycles, right? They can, they can collect that data, if you will. And, and I like that. So um, yes, yeah, I treat a lot of things. That's amazing. Um, and, and acupuncture has been around a really long time. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and um, just some of, some of that aspect that, that you can share with us? Yes. So acupuncture has been around for thousands of years. And as I was saying earlier, there's, there's many branches to Chinese medicine. And so when we're looking at the body of Chinese medicine, we can see that herbs play a role, um, diet plays a role, our moods play a role. It's, it's very inclusive. It looks at the whole picture, the whole human. Um, and I think what I appreciate about this medicine the most is we look at an individual 
this is not a protocol medicine. We really try to tailor each appointment to that specific person, which is such a nice way to support people through their journey. I could not agree more. Um, I feel so heard and cared for when I come to a session with you and it feels like a real sense of partnership. Um, I feel safe and comfortable to be vulnerable and share with you what I'm experiencing. And, um, you know, how else are you going to really know how I'm feeling and how to help me if I don't share? And so that relationship, I think, is so important. And, you know, I even when I'm in your waiting room, I see people coming and going and you have this warm rapport with every single person I've seen you interact with. And I wonder if you could share a little bit about why you focus so much on those relationships and how they enable you to be a stronger practitioner. Well, I think that a lot of people come to me as their last, their last, I don't want to say hope because that's so dramatic, but I'm kind of the last in line. I'm, I'm not usually the first place people go. They're typically coming to me after years of pain or years of, of ongoing medical issues and getting run around or there's, there's a lot there to unpack, right? And, and I feel like it's my, my job to help them unpack that so we can kind of sift through things and see what is working, what is not working, and what role do I play on your team? Um, I am a big team player in my practice, and I feel like it's, it's so crucial that, that my patient has support from multiple disciplinaries, right? Um, in some cases, you need your Western medical doctor because there's some more issues going on. It's beyond Chinese medicine. Maybe we need physical therapy on board, maybe massage. I mean, the list goes on. And it's my job to figure out with the individual where they're going to get the support that they need. In addition to me doing what I'm supposed to do for them, right? Whatever they're there in my office for. So yeah, it's, it, I try to be as collaborative as possible. And and I just love my people. I've got some awesome humans that I get to work with and it's good. <laughs> well, and it shows, I mean, you, you can't fake that kind of care and that kind of love. So thank you for being that you. practitioner. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Well, you deserve it. Cause definitely from the day one that I met you, I knew I was in good, caring, capable hands. Um, and I love how you also just mentioned the integrative approach, right? It's not Eastern or Western medicine. They can work together in tandem and they should. And I, I feel like um, people tend to choose one path or the other. And what I've learned in my own experience is that there's a beautiful marriage between the two that can happen if people approach it with an open mind. Um, and and I, I think that's beautiful that you understand kind of where acupuncture can fit in and benefit uh, people that are that are going on both of those different paths. Yeah, you you just uh, reminded me of of a quote that I heard from a doctor recently, a neurosurgeon at Children's Hospital of Orange County. Um, his name is Dr. William Loudon, and he was speaking uh, about the acupuncture program that they're bringing into their hospital to help with recovery uh, post surgical uh, for. Uh, children. And he said, I take care of the disease, but I don't take care of the patient. And I think that is a fatal error in our medical system right now. And I thought, wow, yes, because 
that is why you see these big hospitals, right? You see these big hospitals that are bringing in integrative centers for their patients because they realize that the doctors are there to save lives. Thank goodness. But they've got, that's a big job, right? They can't do it all. And so to, to have these integrative centers where the whole patient is, is supported is, is very cool. It is, and I certainly hope that is the future of medicine and that we see exemplars like that, you know, become the mainstream. Yes, yes, me too, I'm hopeful. Yes. <laughs> so we've, you see a wide variety of patients for a lot of reasons. Um, so your patients are definitely not limited to people living with MS. But since this podcast is really focused on MS, um, I'm curious if you have some success stories that you would like to share with us. Yes. Um, over the years, I've, I've had quite a few MS patients, but I would say that I am definitely not an expert. Um, so I've learned a lot from my MS patients about, about the role of Chinese medicine in their lives. Um, my very first patient with MS was a little over 10 years ago. Uh, we will call her Chris. Uh, Chris was in her 60s at the time, and uh, she was a registered nurse and had been living with MS for many years. She, um, I think, was like a lot of MS patients. She was highly motivated. She was a doer, and she was very in tune with her body. I mean, just an expert. She knew her symptoms. She knew when she was going to have a flare-up. Um, and, and it got so specific that we figured out which points were most effective in controlling her flare-up through the years of working together and which ones weren't so great. And it, it was really amazing to see um, the shift for her the conditions that gave her the most trouble were vision problems in her right eye and bladder issues. And those were always her telltale. When, those, when one of those two systems started going out of balance for her, she knew she was going to have a flare-up. And if she didn't get ahead of it, it was going to put her down for a while. Um, and so being able to get into a rhythm with her and see the role that acupuncture played in her health was really powerful. And it opened my mind to what I could offer to people with we'll call modern diseases, right? Because there's no write-up about multiple sclerosis in our classical texts. Um, and so, yeah, Chris was, she was a great introduction into the, um, the world of MS for me. And now it sounds like you worked with her over the course of years. Um, years. You know, some, some therapies, uh, and lifestyle changes can result in feeling better quickly, and some take more time. Where does acupuncture fit into that spectrum? Is it something that you know people should feel results from quickly, or does some things take longer to experience true benefits? I love that you asked that because it's so different from person to person, and it's so important that a practitioner has that discussion with the patient. So for me in my practice, I like to be very clear with people that my goal is to deal with what your concern is. And once it's better, then, then we're done. And if you want to keep coming, you can, but that's up to you. And um, so going back to Chris, she, she chose to come. I was just part of her wellness routine. And I saw her twice a month. And that's just what we did for years. Because um, that's how she wanted to do things. With my other patients, um, sometimes they come in with an acute injury. 
we deal with that injury and then they're on their way and I don't see them again until they hurt themselves. Um, and so it's, it is such a, uh, such a wide variety of treatment plans. But again, I think the most important thing is figuring out what your patient wants. You know, do they want ongoing support or do they want to just be, be better and go on with their lives? Because we can do it all, you know? You certainly can. <laughs> and so what would you say, someone who's never gone to acupuncture before, knowing that all practitioners are unique in some ways, what is a typical session with you like? So in my practice, that first appointment is, is super important, I think, because I know that Chinese medicine is mysterious. And so I feel it's my duty in that first appointment to pull back the curtain and make it approachable, make it comfortable. Um, I always explain at the beginning what the needles should and should not feel like, how long they're going to be in for. Um, I like to leave my patients with a buzzer. So that if while they're resting, while they're resting, they, uh, they have a way to get in touch with me if, they, if they're done or maybe they need to go to the bathroom, you know, lots of things. Um, and so, yes, going, th going through verbally with them what's going to happen before I actually touch them, I think is really important. And we talked about earlier how, how that conversation, you know, helps inform what you're going to do that day. How would you know? Like, I'm curious, I did go to an acupuncturist. Um, I've been to several, actually, and I've been very fortunate. But one of the first experiences I had, they didn't ask me any questions about what I was experiencing. And is that unusual or... So that's going to take us into um, what I was speaking about earlier is how we all practice so differently. And what I've kind of come to over the years is that we tend to treat people, I think, the way we like to be treated. So I myself have had acupuncture treatments where I'm like, what is this? We were only here for 10 minutes. You just threw some needles in me and now we're done. Um, but it still worked. You know, it still helped me, but it just wasn't with the way that I, I was used to, you know, so I knew that maybe that wasn't for me. Um, however, that might be for other people. Some people want to get in and get out. I've got patients like that where I am lucky to keep them on my table for 10 minutes and that's okay because that's what they, that's how they respond best. Um, that's so, great. Yeah. That's great. Hey, you know, we're all uniquely different. And I, I feel like your practice honors that, which is a beautiful thing. So, so patients shouldn't feel like they have to be a certain way to come see you. No, I, I, and I think I like to compare it to any other provider in your life, whether it's your physician or your hairstylist or whomever you're seeing, you might not click with that hairstylist the first time great. There's other ones to choose from, you know, and they're all going to have a different way of doing things. And it's just finding a person that clicks with you. So I think it's important for patients to get that initial phone call in with a provider. You should be able to talk to your acupuncturist and say, hey, this is new to me. Can you tell me how you practice? And that, that should be a good way to kind of sift through and find your person. That's very helpful. Thank you. So let's get real personal. 
Um, I'd like to share you to share a little bit about some of the work we have done together that we could illuminate for others. So I'm curious from your perspective, what are some things about our journey together over the past two years that you've noticed have changed from your perspective? Like, um, you know, I originally came to you with a lot of uh, tension in my neck and shoulders, for example. So maybe we can start there. How has that changed for you over time? Night and day <laughs> is, is the short answer. Uh, it's changed so much with your body. So yes, neck and shoulders were always what we'll call your hot spot. And, uh, and we spent a lot of good time breaking those up with gua sha. Sometimes we would do cupping. Um, and then, of course, electroacupuncture is always the way to go with you. Um, you also had a lot of trigger points. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, um, but I would say, how long has this friend been here for? Because <laughs> they were really, um, yeah, they had been there a while and they were pretty uncomfortable. But watching them break up over the years was, was really cool. I felt like when we brought on the other parts of the team, too, that really played a role in your soft tissue holding. Um, so that was that was a good that was a good addition to your plan. I knew the acupuncture was helping you, but we got to a point where it was it was time to think, okay, either we need to work together more or we need to sit down and talk about who else can support this journey with us. And during that time, I felt that you and I came up with some good ideas um, that I believe are still part of your team, uh, craniosacral being one, and of course, physical therapy. And, you know, that is, that is such a great team that you have set up. For sure, for sure. And it takes a village, I'm finding. Yes. <laughs> so, so back to my spine, for example. My spine, it, I felt like there used to be a, a dip. Can you talk about that? Because I love the way that you, uh, your analogy for that. Yes, yes. Um, so I likened your spine to the binding of a book and the paraspinal muscles being the the pages that are just coming up around uh you had almost like a valley there along the spine the muscles were so tight that they actually appeared that they were shorter um right they were so compact um and we would just dig away and do our work and and eventually things softened but it took some time it took some time but it also it took some time, but it's amazing to me now, even, you know, right now we're about, well, a few months in with COVID and I haven't been able to see you in months. And yet um, my back, I mean, I am experiencing more pain. I'm not going to lie, but the, the, I haven't uh, reverted to that deep valley that you mentioned. Right. It's, it's remaining, you know, flat and, um, and I can poke it and it's soft. It's not like rock hard. Um, so definitely that has made a huge, huge impact on my muscles. Oh, I was going to say another piece, if, if we could share about your, your journey uh, or our journey together, um, I think has been, you have really um, gotten so comfortable telling me where you are at. When I first met you, we would work together. I would ask, you would come in to tell me how things were going for you. And you would tell me some things that, that were pretty, pretty weighty. They had a lot of weight to them and a lot of stress to them. But you would always say it with, 
with a smile and a positive attitude and it's okay, I can get through it. But there was a point at which I just felt like it's okay to, it's okay to, to not be okay. That was, that was something that I, I saw change for you all of a sudden at some point slowly with the work you're doing on your own. Um, you just slowly got more comfortable being vulnerable and sharing where you were at. And, and I feel like not only does that make me better at helping you and giving you some tools, but it also just, it puts you in the driver's seat. I feel like being vulnerable, it puts you in control and it really empowers you and the choices you're making. Um, so, so yeah, that was a big shift that I saw that I've seen in you and I just admire the heck out of you for it. Oh, well, thank you. And I do feel like it's a beautiful partnership. Um, and I will say that I do have practitioners that I visit where I don't feel as comfortable, um, sharing. And so I encourage people when they have a, a doctor where, you know, they just aren't that perfect fit. Like you talked about, you know, finding a second opinion, don't stop there. Don't say, Oh, acupuncture is not for me. You know, keep finding, we talk um, on our podcast about finding your flock, you know, find that group of people that can be there to truly support you. And uh, I just think you do that in such a beautiful way. Thank you. So if someone wanted to try acupuncture, it, would they just, you know, on a whim search for one, or is that something they should ask their neurologist about or a different type of, of practitioner? Where would someone even start? That's a great question. And I'm going to give you a, a few different answers <laughs> because I think it's always great to include our primary care physician, our neurologist, whomever is, is taking charge in your case, it's great to include them in your plan. However, if they, if they steer you away from acupuncture, I strongly encourage you to go out on your own. Um, the best way to find an acupuncturist, I think is word of mouth. Ask your friends, ask, ask your colleagues, hey, have you ever tried acupuncture? What's your experience? Um, that's, that's a great place to start. And if, if that is not in your, your circle, then of course a database is great. Um, if you're in California, which you and I are, uh, the California State Acupuncture Board has a, um, has a website for consumers. It gives you information on their license, how long they've been licensed, if they've ever had any um, reports against their license. So I think that's always nice because it's not common, but some people do practice acupuncture without a license. So you want somebody who's been trained properly and, and just going and seeing their license number is a great, a great way to just start and feel comfortable that you're with a trusted professional and not somebody who maybe took a weekend course. Um, so, That's so a yeah. <laughs> yes. um, and then in, in other states, um, acupuncture isn't as heavy, heavily regulated the way that it is in California. So we have our national board, which has a national database for every state um, for the licensed acupuncturist. So consumers, again, can go onto that website to see who is nationally certified in their state. That's really helpful, thank you. And what about insurance coverage? I know that will vary from person to person, but do you have any advice along those lines? Yes, 
So in the last 20 years, I have seen acupuncture not being covered at all by insurance to now being covered by majority of major insurance companies. Um, typically, they're covering for pain because that is what the most research has been around when it comes to acupuncture. Um, so pain is usually the, uh, the thing that insurance will cover for. Checking with your particular plan, they'll let you know. Just ask them, hey, is acupuncture part of my plan? And they'll give you a list of providers in your network if it is, in fact, covered. Um, but it is becoming more and more common. And in fact, Medicare um, is going to be including acupuncture in some capacity. The, the final details are not out yet, but it's coming down the pipe. And that's huge. That's a big deal for our field anyways. That is great. I've noticed that too with chiropractic, like those two seem to be kind of leading the way um, as far as getting approved. So that's, that's really, really inspiring and hope, hopeful. I agree. I agree. So something else we haven't really talked about is that you're also very knowledgeable about Chinese herbs. And can you talk about those a little bit, which herbs you tend to use the most um, and you know, what someone with MS might want to consider in thinking about Chinese herbs as an option? Yeah. So, so when it comes to a patient with MS or any chronic disease, it's super important that Chinese herbs are taken very seriously. They are medicine. Um, they are drugs. They are going to affect your body in a major way. I did an apprenticeship at a hospital in China. And during that time, um, I worked in a department where they were treating cancer patients with herbal medicine in addition to chemotherapy. And it was absolutely amazing to see the the synergy um, in that hospital and the way that they worked together uh, now that is special special training where you can mix herbs and drugs so i don't do that i in my practice i really rely heavily on food i'm so passionate about what we put into our bodies and so i really try to steer people into getting their diet tuned in and using herbs or supplements that have been shown to be safe for whatever condition that they are experiencing. So with MS patients, um, like you, for example, we have done moxibustion, which I would love to tell you more about. I think it's, I think it is such a great herb that we use externally in my practice. Um, and then also some supplements that you and I have talked about has uh, lion's mane, I am, I am way too excited about lion's mane. I think it is, it is such a beautiful medicinal mushroom. Um, and we can, of course, talk more about that too. So, so what would someone uh, experience through taking lion's mane, for example? How does it help? So lion's mane is actually something that is going to help with our cognitive function. When I started taking lion's mane, I found that I was able to articulate myself better. I was able to pull words more easily. Um, my memory felt, felt more, <laughs> not working right now, but my memory felt clear and I could recall things and there wasn't as much stumbling. And I was like, wow, what is this? Um, and so I dove deeper into it. And it is, it is just the most beautiful medicinal mushroom, especially when you're looking at um, people who have MS because 
the myelin sheath being an issue, right? Uh, that is something that the lion's mane mushroom is actually being studied for, uh, helping to regenerate that myelin sheath possibly. Um, so there's that aspect, but it also helps control inflammation, which in many chronic issues, including MS, inflammation is a big one. Um, so that is a supplement I use a lot. And then probiotics. I mean, I can't say enough good things, again, about taking care of our gut, because again, most of the research is starting to show that there is a connection between our brain and our gut. Um, so I think that for a patient with MS, it's really important to establish how crucial that, uh, that relationship can be for them. That's so great. I agree. Um, tell us a little bit more about Moxa because I am just, it just blown away by some of the ways that you use this, even with breech babies. Oh my gosh, the breech babies. It's, it's laughable how easy it is. Um, I don't even do it in my clinic anymore. Women call me because a lot of our local OBs, they know, they know that uh, acupuncture can be very effective for turning breech babies and they kind of feel like, what do you got to lose? Right. Can't hurt. Um, and so often they will come in, you know, around 34 weeks pregnant, my baby's breech, what do I do? And I hand them a stick of moxa, some instructions and send them home. And, and oftentimes I get a phone call the next day, somebody freaking out, how did this work? <laughs> what is this witchcraft you are doing? Um, and it, it's this beautiful herb that is actually so closely tied to acupuncture. Uh, when you see the Chinese character for acupuncture, it's actually a picture of a needle with moxa on it because they should be used together. There's a synergy there. The needles are so great at moving energy, moving blood, um, but they're not so great at building energy in the body and restoring longevity in the body. And that's where moxa comes in. Um, so moxa can be used, yes, to treat, uh, to turn breech babies, which is so cool. Um, but it can also be used for digestive issues, chronic pain, um, depression, anxiety. I mean, the, the applications for moxa are, are just countless. And again, it's such a safe, easy way to introduce people to the medicine. Well, and the last time I saw you before uh, we COVID-19, you gave me a stick of moxa to use. And can you talk a little bit about that immunity point and the stress point and um, how you would anticipate that would help me? Yes, yes. Um, so there is a point um, in, so there's many different styles of acupuncture as I was saying earlier. Uh, one of my teachers, Kiko Matsumoto, she, uh, she often refers to the immune point, which is on the forearm, as you know, and that point responds so well to heat therapy. It's, it's just wild how effective moxa alone. Sometimes I don't even use a needle there because the moxa does the job. Um, but yes, the, uh, the immune point is always a good one uh, for right now, especially, right? Um, and then that point, uh, spleen six was another point that I had shown you to use the moxa on. Again, a tonifying, strengthening point. Acupuncture points are really beautiful in the sense that they all have different functions. Some help strengthen the body, some are more dispersing and moving. And what's cool is when you're actually receiving a treatment, you can feel the difference. 
Some of them are, whoa, what was that sensation? That was different. And others are more just nourishing and relaxing. It's, it's pretty cool. It's very cool. And, and I can share with listeners that, you know, I was using the Moxa every, every other day, maybe every, every two or three days. And especially in March, um, I've shared on the podcast before that that was a really hard time for me. And I had a really bad panic attack. I was just really struggling with everything that was going on and having that extra support every couple of days just kept me kept me functioning um, and through, through a really challenging time. And it was incredible to me how something so simple could change the way I felt so quickly. I mean, I would go outside and do this for just a couple of minutes and I would come back in just in a very, very different headspace um, and feeling like I, this was not something I couldn't handle. So I'm very, very appreciative of that extra layer of support you gave me when I wouldn't be able to see you. Well, I, I just think it's great that you got familiar with it. And, and it almost, it, I feel like it's very empowering, right? Because it was something you could do on your own to continue treatment. You could go home and stimulate those acupuncture points on your own. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad you found it useful. Very much so. So we're coming to the end of our conversation. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you would want to share with listeners today? I think, I think the most important takeaway is that when you're struggling with a chronic illness such as MS, it doesn't hurt to try acupuncture or Chinese medicine. The worst thing that can happen to you is nothing. So that's okay. We, that, that seems pretty good. That's, that's all right. We can handle that. Now, most likely you're going to feel a lot of things change in your body. You're going to feel better, especially if pain is your concern. And I can't emphasize enough how, how much our body is, is very malleable. It wants, it wants to feel good. And we just have to figure out what it needs. And sometimes we're too close to the problem right? When we're inside of our own body and we're struggling. So to go to an integrative medicine practitioner that's doing Chinese medicine or craniosacral or whatever, get somebody to put hands on you because I feel like that is such a bridge. Um, and maybe you're afraid of needles and that's okay. Try Moxa. Ask your acupuncturist, can we just start with a no needle therapy? I can't tell you how many times I've slowly introduced this medicine to people in that very way. Um, and before you know it, they're asking for needles and they're requesting specific points. And I didn't feel that enough. Can you, can you help me out there? And you know, it's, it's very cool. It is. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here today. And honestly, for just being such an integral part of my healing journey. I couldn't do what I'm doing without you. And I, I truly look forward to every session with you and consistently leave feeling better than I felt when I arrived. So uh, thank you so much for being such a powerful healer and just a gem of a human. I really appreciate you. And I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share your expertise with listeners. And I, and I hope it encourages a lot of people to give acupuncture a try. Well, thank you so, so much for having me, Katie. It means a lot to me to be part of this project that you're doing. I have always felt that you have so much to share. You're so smart and you're 
so humble in your intelligence that you make it easy for, for so many people to benefit. You can really cover just a, a large ground of people and modalities and you are, you're being a vehicle um, for, for people to take control of their own health. And I just admire you. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I hope you'll consider coming back sometime. I would love it. I would love it. Thank Great. you again, Katie. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Therese Powers. I'd like you to think for a moment, do you have conversations like that with your current health providers? I hope so. And if so, please do take a moment in the very near future to express your gratitude to them. Just sharing how much their level of care means to you and how much you value their perspective, knowledge, and guidance can go a long way in refueling your provider's fountain. And remember all the benefits we receive as well when we express our gratitude to others? It truly is a win-win. I would also like to mention that I've been extremely fortunate to have scored major home runs with two out of the three acupuncturists I've worked with. I'm glad I've had an open enough mind to try again after my first lackluster experience. If you've experienced similar, I encourage you to not give up. Your Anne-Marie or Therese could be just around the corner in your very near future, and they could truly help change your life with MS for the better. Following this and every weekly podcast, I offer interactive Zoom sessions for our Patreon listeners to discuss the episode's topic with other members of the flock. I hope you will consider joining us. Become a patron on patreon.com slash msflock for the Zoom session schedule and invitation links. Membership is only $1 a month to access these important weekly flockings, and you'll also gain even more access to content like relevant show notes and resources and the inside scoop on the MS Pilot of our health website. Join us next week where we'll cover an introduction of a topic that has truly transformed my life over the past two years. Boundaries. What are boundaries? For now, let's think of boundaries as virtual fences that help us manage what we let in or don't. Defining our personal boundaries is a process of exploring what types of behavior in our relationships with others that we will allow or not. In my experience, most folks with MS, and perhaps most folks in general, have opportunities in their lives to create stronger boundaries. I certainly did, and I'm super excited for this topic and look forward to sharing more with you next week. Feel free to submit questions, comments, or future podcast topics or guest ideas to mymsflock at gmail.com. Until next week, be thinking about how acupuncture might be able to help you with some of your MS symptoms. I look forward to chatting with the flock more about this. And remember, Therese will be there with us this Saturday, so flock members, be sure to bring your questions that you jotted down during this episode. As we travel through life with MS, we are certain to hit some turbulence along the way. We'll get through it, and with flying colors, if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.